The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 388. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com, where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll. And you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. You also get the best coupons. I ran a great Black Friday sale. And because of my mistake, that sale has now been extended to December 24th. So if you've gotten any of the emails with those links in it, you can still use it. I couldn't turn the coupon off, but you've got it till the 24th, the day before Christmas. So if you want that last-minute Christmas gift, you've got a, a Brian McClanahan Show fan in your life, and you want to give them McClanahan Academy... It's a great way to do it. I've got 30% off at least on every one of my courses, some 40, some 50. So you've got uh, great opportunities to pick up these courses at rock bottom prices. I normally don't offer them this low. So if you're looking for those deals, and plus you get a lifetime membership. This is a lifetime gift. It's not just a gift you get and then you never use it again. You get it. You get all the lectures. You can download them. You can listen to them multiple times. You can do whatever you like with it. It is an awesome gift. You've also got my books at brianmcclanahan.com. You can get one of my books. I've got my newest out, Southern Scribblings, another great stocking stuffer. Get your Brian McClanahan Show uh, gear. Just click on that shop tab. Get your get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You can get your book plates if you click on that support tab. If you want my autograph on one of my books, all kinds of cool ways to get uh, materials for your Brian McClanahan Show fan. And, of course, those things do help support the show. Also, share this podcast around on social media, rate it wherever you get podcasts, do whatever you can to spread the message of thinking locally, acting locally, and I do appreciate your support, and I appreciate all the interaction. In fact, this is going to be a follow-up episode for the episode that I did yesterday, which produced quite a lot of commentary, particularly on social media accounts, but most importantly on YouTube. There were a lot of people that didn't like what I had to say on YouTube, and of course, a lot of people get their information from YouTube, and the, and the topic of the podcast, of course, the episode was something that's hot in the news right now, which is Texas now joined by 17 other states filing a lawsuit trying to bring it before the Supreme Court to invalidate the certification of the votes in the swing states that are that matter for Joe Biden's victory. And that, of course, would be Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, uh, and I, I can't remember if Arizona is on it or not. But I mean, these these are the states that are that are the key to understanding uh, the presidential contest and looking at these things. And of course you're, you're looking at, uh, the, uh, supposed instance of voter fraud. I mean, this is, this is the, this is the question. Was there voter fraud in these States or not? We know this, the circumstantial evidence is there. We know we've seen other things that show that there's irregularities. We know all that was there. And of course I understand people are, are emotionally invested in this. And I think that's something that's going on here. But I'm going to raise, and I, and I said this was a silly lawsuit, and I stand by it's a silly lawsuit. It's not going to go anywhere. And in fact, Texas is undermining the entire Constitution by presenting this lawsuit because they're misinterpreting Article 2 of the Constitution. They're misinterpreting the quote-unquote electors clause. 
In fact, they're uh, not just misinterpreting it, they're distorting the entire meaning of it as from an original understanding. And I'm, look, I pulled up just from October 1787 through about, um, I think it was February, late January, early February 1788, of all the instances where electors were used in the public documents supporting ratification of the Constitution. Just so we could see, what did the founding generation, who wrote it and then, of course, ratified it, say about electors? What were these, how did this electors clause, how was that going to be interpreted when the Constitution was ratified? This is how they sold it to the states now. So this is an original understanding of the electors clause. And I made the statement that Pennsylvania or Georgia, or Michigan, or Wisconsin, or Arizona. Take your pick, it doesn't matter. All of these states have not violated the Elector's Clause. Now, I didn't say that specifically, but none of them them have. They've not violated the Elector's Clause. Now, have they done some things that are perhaps a little bit shady when it comes to uh, winning the election? Who's going to win the election? Well, I mean, that's the argument. But Texas has no standing to sue in that particular case. Texas has no standing to sue because that is not part of the electors clause. <laughs> this is the problem with the entire lawsuit. This is why it's silly and frankly stupid. And it's stupid because this particular lawsuit essentially ensures that the Hamiltonians win. Because what Texas is doing and what these 17 other states are doing is nationalizing the election. I asked this question. I would ask this question of anybody who supports this Texas lawsuit. How would you feel if the situation was reversed? If Donald Trump was leading, if he was going to win, if the Electoral College was going to vote for Donald Trump, and the Biden supporters swooped in with a last-minute lawsuit and said, you know what, we don't think Texas has followed the law because people are disfranchised in Texas. And let's say Texas, the whole thing hinged on Texas. Texas is disfranchised Democrat voters because uh, we think that they didn't follow this, this, and this in their election law. Now, if those election laws violated certain amendments of the Constitution, that would be uh, Amendments 15, 19, 24, and 26, then the state of Pennsylvania or the Congress would have an obligation, the Attorney General would have an obligation to investigate and see if people were disfranchised. But in this particular case, nobody in Texas is disfranchised. Nobody in Pennsylvania has been disfranchised. Nobody in Wisconsin or Minnesota or Michigan or uh, Georgia or Arizona or North Dakota or California, nobody's been disfranchised. Not one person has been disfranchised in this particular election based on things that we can see where the federal government or maybe states could get involved and say there's been irregularities based on disfranchising voters. Nobody in Pennsylvania said, if you're a Trump supporter, you can't vote. That didn't happen. Now, we know that perhaps some ballots might have been shifted around. And I mean, if that could be proven, right, if people could be, it could be proven that Trump votes were not tallied and Biden votes were tallied, then that would be a case for the people of Pennsylvania to say, you know what, we were disfranchised in our state. But Texas still had a violation of 15, 19, 24, or 26. That's just somebody saying I, they, they didn't allow me to vote. 
So as long as these states don't deny people the ability to vote based on race, sex, age, or requiring a tax to vote, then there's no case here. There's no case. And I know that an article was pointed out to me, the Federalist produced this. It's garbage. Now look, again, I made the case for Trump. I made the case based on foreign policy and some of the other few things that Trump has done that were better than what Biden would do in making the case for Trump. Uh, and the fact is, I understand people, again, are heavily invested in this because they fear what's going to happen with Biden. Biden's going to be obama light. There's no doubt about it. We're going to see a repeal of the executive orders that Trump gave, and Biden's going to issue executive orders. What we have now is executive government. You see, the real problem here is nationalization. And I, this is what I'm saying. What we're doing by this is allowing the Hamiltonians to win. The nationalists win in this particular situation. Because let's say Texas is successful, and I'm going to get into the electors part of it in a second. Let's say Texas is successful in this. Immediately, there is going to be a, a countersuit based on the fact that Biden got 7 million more votes than Donald Trump in this particular election. You see, no matter what happens in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, or Georgia, the fact is Biden did get he got more votes than Donald Trump. right? Even if the... Uh, tens of thousands of votes that he's down in all these states somehow swing the other way. Biden still got more votes than Donald Trump. So the progressives then, the left, would then countersue based on the understanding of Texas saying, well, the president represents all the people. And because the president represents all the people in all the states, and uh, let, me, let me get into that. Let me, let me go back here to the uh, argument that Texas is making. Um, and, and where they have standing to sue. This is from the Federalist. Texas standing to sue, merely alleging that defendant states violated the Constitution, however, is not enough. Texas must also establish that it is standing to sue, meaning it has been injured in a way entitling it to stand before the court and seek redress. In its motion for leave, Texas argues at great length that it has standing and presents three separate bases for it. First, Texas claims the right to represent the constitutional claims of, of its citizens who have the right to demand that all other states abide by the constitutionally set rules in appointing presidential electors to the Electoral College. Well, first of all, Pennsylvania's done that. We'll just use Pennsylvania as an example because that's the one that says they have the most egregious violations. Okay, so, but te Pennsylvania's done this. Second, Texas passes presses its own form of voting rights injury of states pre premised on the structure of the Constitution. Whereas the House represents the people proportionally, the Senate represents the states, Texas notes, thus while Americans likely care more about who is elected president, the states have a distinct interest in who is elected vice president, thus who can cast a tie-breaking vote in the Senate. States suffer an Article Three injury when another state violates federal law to affect the outcome of a presidential election. This injury is particularly acute in 2020, whereas a Senate majority will often hang on the vice president's side. I mean, this is, okay, so this is a political argument, not a legal argument, okay? Finally, Texas argues that standing to sue as a representative of the state's electors, these electors, Texas argues, suffer a legislative injury whenever allegedly improper actions deny them a working majority. Since the Electoral College is a zero-sum game, the unconstitutional appointment of electors in other states injures Texas electors. But they haven't been unconstitutionally appointed. They haven't been, and I'm going to explain that, okay? Uh, and, of course, they're saying that because, essentially the argument is because the president represents all the people, 
then therefore the people of Texas are being essentially disfranchised by this. The right to vote is protected more than the initial allocation of the franchise. This is what the Supreme Court wrote. Equal protection applies as well as to the manner of this exercise. Having once granted the right to vote on equal terms, a state may not, by later arbitrary and disparate treatment, value one person's vote over that of another. Okay, well, everybody understands this, but this is what's happening in Pennsylvania, but not in Texas. So if this was happening in Texas, well, I mean, Texas would have standing to sue here. But the idea that Texas is simply standing up just for the, all the people, you're nationalizing the entire election. So what will happen is that the if this goes through, again, and it's found that Supreme Court rules in favor of Texas, the left is going to immediately launch their own lawsuit saying, well, Joe Biden won 7 million more votes, so therefore the majority of the population is being disfranchised. And the Electoral College then disfranchises people. You see, what you're doing is undermining the Electoral College. In this particular case, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're undermining the Electoral College. That would be, it would be on the chopping block almost immediately if the Democrats were ever able to gain, and they will. Look, Trump is an aberration. If Trump somehow pulls this off and wins in the 2020 election, which I don't think is going to happen, if he pulls it off, the Democrats will win in 2024. It's, it's without question it's going to happen. And they will get, and this is going to be enough momentum for them to gain enough seats, I believe, to win the entire general government. And then you know what's going to happen? They will try to get rid of the Electoral College. Or you'll have enough states to do the National Popular Vote Initiative, which I think is actually unconstitutional, but that would have to be challenged in court. You will have a situation where the states will just say, you know what, screw it. We're going to say that if you win, whoever wins, wins the Electoral College votes. And if enough, if enough states do this, 270, it doesn't matter who wins in these other states. This all becomes irrelevant. What I'm saying is that this is a bad argument. It's a, it's a nationalist argument trying to defend a federal part of the Constitution. And you can't do it. It's a nationalist argument defending a federal part of the Constitution. Now, let's get into the meat of this, though, where it says that somehow Texas has violated, or I'm sorry, Pennsylvania has violated, all these states have violated the electors' clause of the Constitution. So, first and foremost, I'll read what's been written about that, and then I'll go back and I'll read what proponents of the document said about this particular case. And then I'll read the Pennsylvania Act. We'll just go to Pennsylvania. I don't, because of a 30 minute show, I don't have time to go through all these different states. So let's read this, this uh, from the Federalists. Texas presents serious constitutional claims. Notwithstanding some branding Texas lawsuit of Hail Mary, attempt to block the outcome of the 2020 election, the Lone Star State's complaint presents serious constitutional issues. Those issues, as Texas puts it, far as exceed the electoral irregularities of the hanging Chad saga of the 2000 election. In its bill of complaint filed with its motion for leave, Texas presents three constitutional challenges. Count 1 alleges the defendant states violated the Elector's Clause of the Constitution. The Elector's Clause of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the U.S. Constitution provides, Each state shall appoint in such a matter as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which a state may be entitled in the Congress. As Texas notes, this clause makes clear that only legislatures of the states are permitted to determine the rules for appointing presidential electors. Well, this is true. Have they changed the rules? No. No rules have been changed. In fact, I'll read... From the 1937 Act 320, the Pennsylvania General Assembly. This is from 1937. Okay. 
how the electors are going to be appointed. This is exactly what was meant. No, wait, before I do that, let's get into what the, what the originalists said about this. When I say originalists, I'm talking about the people that were arguing for ratification of the Constitution. I go all the way back. I go all the way back to the very first public document presented in favor of the Constitution in September of 1787. This is an American citizen number one by Tench Cox of Pennsylvania. Lo and behold, Pennsylvania. Tench Cox says, and now, just a little forewarning, I am going to be presenting a class on originalists. It's called the Originalist Papers. It'll be out next year. It'll be my first class out next year. It'll be a four-part class. I'll go through 125 documents in support of the Constitution, whether it's speeches, public documents. This is going to be an awesome course, four-part course, 25 I'll go through 100, I'm sorry, not 125, 100, four-part class, but there will be a book to go along with it that'll have 25 extra documents. So there's going to be a cool thing happening next year, all right? That's coming. But this article, this, this document's in it. I'm just going to read this one paragraph. Actually, one sentence from this paragraph. The president of the upper house or the chancellor of England is appointed by the king, while our vice president, who is chosen by the people through the electors and the senate, not at all dependent on the president. By the people through the electors. Okay. Down the list. Talking about the president. The president is created through the electors by the people at large. It's created by the electors through the people at large. Okay, so essentially the argument here is that the Electors are voted by the people. Now, has that changed in Pennsylvania? Did somehow the governor say, I'm choosing the electors? Did the court say, we're choosing the electors? No. The state of Pennsylvania, or the state of Michigan, or the state of Georgia, or the state of Wisconsin, said the people voted and these people, these, these electors are now going before because this candidate won the state. Now, the states can do whatever they want when it comes to elections. And this is what I've said, and I said in the comments. The states can choose their electors however they see fit. They can divide these electors up between who wins the at-large and who wins congressional districts. They can, they can choose how it happens. They can say, we were given our electors the person who uh, received the least number of votes. I mean, it doesn't. they, they can do it however they want to do it. They're chosen by the people. Okay. All right, that's Tench Cox. Tench Cox again. This is an American citizen number two. The people, through the electors, describe them as a president as shall be best qualified to control them. The people through the electors. Then we go to the State House yard speech, which everyone which everyone cited as one of the most important speeches. In fact, it was the most important speech delivered in the early phases of ratification of the Constitution. James Wilson of Pennsylvania, again, made this speech in October of 1787. He said this, The president is to be chosen by electors nominated in such a manner as the legislature of each state may direct. Now, oh, wait, wait, McClanahan, now you're wrong because the the nominated in such a manner, nominated in such a manner as the legislature of each state may direct. So has that changed? Did the state of Pennsylvania, the state of Georgia, the state of Wisconsin, the state of Michigan, change the manner in which the electors were nominated? No. Nobody changed it. All we're talking about here is the way the election was conducted 
in the state of Pennsylvania. This is what Texas is suing over. We don't like the way you conducted your election. There's been no change in the electors. There's been no change in original meaning of the Constitution, except Texas is trying to change it. They're trying to say that that clause means that we can control the elections of other states. So again, I ask the question, would the state of Texas be very happy if uh, Pennsylvania was saying, we can control how you, how you organize your election in your state? Well, uh, no, that would be a violation. I mean, that's, that's, that's a bl- I mean Texas would say, well, there's federalism, federalism. So what Texas is trying to do is nationalize this election in this particular way. So let me go back and read from 1937. Nothing's changed since 1937. At the general election to be held in the year 1940, and every fourth year thereafter, there shall be elected by the qualified electors of the Commonwealth persons to be known as electors of President and Vice President of the United States and referred to in this act as presidential electors equal in number to the whole number of senators and representatives which this state may be entitled in the Congress of the United States. So that's all it says. So this happened. The people of the state of Pennsylvania chose the electors based on who won that state in the vote. Now, you could say, well, but, but, I mean, this is where there's election irregularities. We have, we have all kinds of evidence that these things, they didn't follow the law. They didn't follow the law in choosing the electors. Choosing the, choosing, what, you're, what you're actually looking at, then, is the minutia of Pennsylvania election laws. Do we want other states getting into the minutia of other states' election laws? This is where it becomes a ridiculous, silly, stupid lawsuit. Because what you're going to do is open the door for every other state to investigate how every state handles their elections. Okay? Now, again, if it violates Amendment 15, 19, 24, or 26, then you can make a case in this. But were people denied based on race, sex, age, or a poll tax? Did any of that happen? No. None of it. None of that happened. This is about politics. And politics has always been a nasty game of cheating and getting around the other person and trying to figure out a way to get one up. It's what it is. And, of course, nationalism has created the situation where we have, as one op-ed writer said in in Boston, a blood sport in Washington, D.C. Because if you destroy this vestige of federalism, let me tell you something. You're opening the door to everything from here on out. This is a bad, bad, stupid, silly lawsuit. Texas doesn't have standing to sue in this case, nor do the 17 other states. Texas doesn't have standing to look or even the ability to investigate the election laws of another state unless it's violating those other amendments to the Constitution. Pennsylvania could say five-year-olds could vote. They could say felons could vote. They could do anything they want. They can say you don't have to show an ID. You can just show up and vote. You don't have to be verified. The states can do any of this they want. They can say ballots can be mailed in. They can say ballots can be mailed after the fact. They can do any of that. Now, you could say, well, the legislature didn't say this. Well, the legislature did change the way some of these things happen, and no one challenged it until Donald Trump lost in that state. See, this is the problem. These things were so bad, why did the legislature do it? And then uh, then some things happened, and, well, we, we didn't get the outcome we wanted, so we're going to start challenging this now. You see, the problem here, and I know people are invested in this. I know people really want this to be true. They want it to be a violation of the Constitution. They want it, and they want it 
because they want it because they believe that the election was stolen from them. And look, I'm sympathetic to that. I think that there are so many irregularities and so many things going on here. I think that there should be an ID to vote. I think all those things should happen. I think that's a way to prevent all this stuff. You just do that. There's no mail-in. Mail-in bowling is the worst thing. I've said this stuff. I agree with all of the arguments that are being made that there are serious problems here. But the state of Texas has no standing in this. This is for the people of Pennsylvania or Michigan or Georgia or wherever it's to decide. They need to fix their own house. And if they don't do it, well, then leave the union. This is what I said yesterday. If this is the case, if Texas firmly believes, these 17 states firmly believe they are being injured by this general government, then they need out. They need to just leave the union. Leave it. Don't be part of it anymore. This is Nathaniel Macon. If you believe that you're being injured by this union, don't be part of the union any longer. This is what the New Englanders said in the 1790s and early 1800s. Look, we're going to be injured by this election of Thomas Jefferson. We just need to leave. Leave the union now. Get out of it. Don't don't suffer under it. So just leave. This is what I don't understand. We're we're talking you're, you're playing their game and you're going to lose. And it's going to be worse when you do lose because what will happen is the Supreme Court will codify some nationalist nonsense. They will. They'll do it in some way. Even if Texas loses, they're going to do this. You've just now appealed to the enemy in this particular case. And it's dangerous. So we've got the Elector's Clause. Article 2, each state shall appoint in a manner as the legislature there may direct. Nothing's changed with that. Whoever wins the popular vote in these states gets the slate of electors. That hasn't changed. That's what the Elector's Clause is all about. That's all it means. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that the Congress or the states now can investigate how these electors are chosen. No, no. Now, we know that the argument was made, well, the the legislatures would, would determine these rules. The legislatures did determine the rules, how the electors are chosen. They determine the rules, how the electors are chosen. This is what this means. Not how the elections are conducted, but how the electors are chosen. This is the argument over and over and over again in the proponents of the Constitution. Dozens and dozens and dozens of statements about this. Again, I've pulled up, um, let's see, there are 55 results in just a few... And not all these have to do with the president. Some of them have to do with the legislative brands. Um, Federalist 57. Uh, This is James Madison or Alexander Hamilton. Nobody knows. But this is about the House of Representatives. They're talking about electors out of the great body of the people of the United States. And this is about the House of Representatives. Uh, It's very hard at times to... uh, Uh, This is from, let me go back, this is Federalist number 60. This is Hamilton. The House of Representatives being to to be elected immediately by the people, the Senate by the state legislatures, the president by electors chosen for that purpose by the people. Electors chosen by the people. This This was argued over and over again.
I mean, I, I can't. I, I could go through this uh, line by line in certain do, in, in document after document after document. Uh, here's Federal sixty four. The president to be chosen by select bodies of electors. To be deputed by the people for that express purpose. This is uh, this is John Jay of New York, Federal sixty four. So I mean I, I can't I can't emphasize this enough. The the point is we've got a a situation where Texas is suing unjustly. They don't have any standing. There's no there's no case to be made here. They're trying to they're trying to overturn the way that Pennsylvania conducts their elections. Because they don't like and these are all Trump states, states that Trump won. They don't like the outcome of the election. They don't like the way it worked. They don't like the way that Pennsylvania conducts its elections. Look, I can agree with that. I don't live there, so I have no standing to sue in that particular case. I don't live in Pennsylvania. Texas is not Pennsylvania. The people of Texas are not disfranchised. The people of all these states are not disfranchised. They voted. And Trump won Texas. Trump won these states. So, again, you can make a case that the people of Texas that voted against Trump are disfranchised because they lost. This 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 is a bad argument. It's a terrible argument. It's a silly lawsuit, a stupid lawsuit, and it's only going to create more problems. What we really need is a commitment to federalism. And again, if you're really committed to federalism, you would just say, okay, look, Pennsylvania, there's, there's irregularities, but people of Pennsylvania should be involved in trying to change this stuff. Not the people of Texas, not the people of some other state. And if they do that, well, then we won't see this happen again. If this really was a situation, I mean, again, I can see the irregularities. I know all that's there. But there's nothing here. The electors are chosen. The electors clause is not being violated by this particular situation. It's not. It hasn't been. The the executive didn't say, "You know what we're going to do? I'm going to choose the electors." I'm not going I don't care what the legislature says. I'm going to choose the, elect- the electors. And in fact, I'm going to do it by decree. They're only going to go for Biden voters. Or a, a court in Pennsylvania didn't say this or Michigan or Wisconsin or Georgia. No. That's not how it happened. The state sets the parameters by which the electors are chosen, which is by the victor of the ballots. And of course, you know the, these people then, whoever wins the election, the electors are chosen that way. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is that these people are, are saying, these, this guy didn't really win. You're certifying results where there's voter fraud. Again, you got to prove it. You got to put up or shut up in this particular case. And I don't think there's been enough. And I mean, look, I know there's circumstantial evidence and, and people are getting hot at me about this. There's not been enough to do anything to change this stuff. So there it is. Uh, the electors clause has not been violated. And this is just a, a, uh, a bad lawsuit. It's going to go nowhere and it's going to create more problems than it solves. Okay. That's my position on the electors clause. It was asked, you know, but why are you just calling it stupid? You're not going into it. Well, I mean, here we go. From an originalist perspective, nothing's changed. The states are doing what they want. From an originalist perspective, the Constitution's not been violated. 
This is a complaint over something as silly as, well, not silly, but something uh, as simple as Texas doesn't like the way Pennsylvania conducts its elections. And again, I asked the people of Texas, I asked the people of these 17 other states, do you want the other states nosing into your elections? Because this is the precedent that you'll be setting should you have this happen. You're going to nationalize everything. The end result would be a disaster. All right. I'll see you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.